My name is Chris Bett and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis. On this episode, we'll be looking back on Rangers' 3 0 victory over Wraith Rovers in the Scottish Cup at Ibrox, and we'll be discussing quite a dramatic night in the world of Rangers. Um, so, joining me to discuss all this, um, first of all, is Kenny. Kenny, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, Chris. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. And joining Kenny and I is also Dave. Dave, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. Well, this. Ordinarily, would have been a kind of straightforward run of the mill podcast talking about a very straightforward run of the mill cup game at Ibrox where Rangers progressed into the semi final. But later um, in the night, Dave, you know, Rangers being Rangers, we made it into a bit of a soap opera. So there's plenty of plenty of discussion points out with the actual game. Were you surprised by any of the kind of Union Bells, Rangers board fiasco, Namdi off the ball, obviously hinting towards medical negligence? <laughs> Uh, there's there's never really a normal week goes by at Rangers and it was almost normal. I, I mean a routine cup win, right? Surely routine Sunday cup win. Nobody's getting too bevy. There's no chaos. Lower league side. You'd like to think that would pass off without incident, but no one Rangers are concerned. Exactly. Yeah. It, obviously, if we were just discussing the game itself, this would probably be twenty five minutes to half an hour. But obviously, we'd probably be done. We'd be finished. Yeah. Um. There's there's obviously quite a quite a um, few talking points, as I say, the Union Bears carry on there. I'm, I'm saying that as if it's them that's at fault there. I don't actually believe that is the case. It's just a, a fiasco. There's the Namdi Offerbar um, cryptic Social media post. Yeah. You've got, obviously, Michael Beale's comments about Morelos after the game. And then the small matter of the Scottish Cup draw, which paired us with Celtic as well. So, yeah, it's going to be quite an action-packed um, episode, this one. But let's just start with the game. Uh, I will go through the team in a minute, but what I will say is it was, you know, it was what it was. It was Rangers against 11 men who packed their 18-yard box and tried to prevent Rangers from scoring and literally uh, did not even try to score themselves. I think, you know, when the first half statistics came in and their only shot and goal was a shot from their own half, that kind of shows where we are at. And it's no, I'm not really having a go at Rafe here. It's, it just it is what it is with Scottish football. It's probably a discussion for another time. Uh, Rafe, obviously done a wee bit of their homework, they've seen that Dundee and Queen of the South get a wee bit of success playing that way, so they obviously tried to adopt uh, tried to adopt the same style of play, which made which made it frustrating for us as the fans, but there has to be a certain amount of real uh, realism from the fans in, in regards to they're not going to come and let us score all the, so we just need to deal with that, that is very much a Rangers fan's problem rather than an opposition fans problem because they have to try and prevent us from scoring I think that's just the way Scottish football is and it's only going to get worse uh, we're going to see this more and more and more as as the years go on I think um, and that's coming from the teams in, in the league that we're currently in not a, a, a team below um, so really unless Kenny, Dave, you guys can think of anything else that happened um, I do want to talk about uh, Todd Cantwell for a wee bit as well, but unless you can think of anything else that happened, this is just going to be a case I can throw the three goals um, and then we'll get straight into the, the meaty controversy. Does that sound all right? Fine by I, me. Shout out to the big lad who had that shot early on that nearly dropped in. That would have been a moment for the AGs had that gone in, but uh, unlucky big man. 
close. So the Rangers team, um, it was the same team that started against Hibs, albeit uh, with one change. Uh, John Lundstrom coming in for Ryan Jack, who was rested. Um, had a bit of a knock, but it's nothing too serious, we hope. So McGregor, Tav, Davis, Goldson, Barisic, Lundstrom, Raskin, Cantwell, Kent, Sakala, Cholak. Um, and as I say, the first 40-odd minutes was, was pretty... Pretty tough to watch, to be honest with you. Um, but Rangers made the breakthrough in the 42nd minute. Rangers got a corner. Bomber Barisage whipped it in. And Connor Golson thumped it home. It was an absolutely tremendous header, wasn't it, Kenny? It was. Really good header, actually. And to be fair, I thought we were, were OK first half. We, typical of what Rangers do. We know we're a better team than the opposition. And we kind of labour about a bit and the full knowledge that the goal was going to come. And it was, uh, to be fair to, to goals, and it was a cracking goal. It was a great header, really powered, really good goal. Something that, if we're going to nitpick, uh, which I think I'm quite prone to doing anyway, um, something that we should be doing more of, Kenny, would you agree with that? Because I think that when he first came to Rangers, it was a right threat in the opposition box. And as the seasons have went on, I think he's actually regressed in that, um, in, in that manner because... There was a point last season, man, he just could not... I'm talking about attacking uh, from an attacking perspective, not a defensive perspective, but he just could not get anything on target for the corners, and it wasn't if I want to try. No, but the period of head-shaped like a 50-pence piece, really, wasn't it? It was kind of nuts that every other corner he would get his head you know, to it, and it would just sail miles over the bar, uh, or <laughs> yards past the post or whatever. Just wasn't getting anything on target. To be fair, I think he's done a lot better this season. Yeah. Um, with his, you know, the control and his headers. But, yeah, he, he should be, for the amount he wins in the, the opposition penalty box, he should be adding to his tallies. You, you should be looking for six, seven, eight goals a season from him with the aerial ability he has. I, I would agree with that. Definitely. The elephant in the room there, though, I think, is the set pieces because that's now, <clears throat> I think I saw... 8 and 18 under yeah. Beal yeah. and under Geo, the set piece at both ends were poor so I think there is an element Goldson's maybe improved his, his game a wee bit but I think the tactics around blocking runners and where we put the ball and working short corners are helped massively and it's it's an asset we have in the team now that we didn't have under the previous manager because set piece training was I think left to just sort of figure it out yourself zonal marking at one end and then Figure it out yourself, lad. So I totally agree with that, David. And the positioning that you know, the positions that he's getting himself into as well are much, much better. He's got yep. a clear header a lot of the time as well. So you're right, yeah. Yep. Dave, the second goal came in the second half, after 58 minutes. It was quite a comical one goal. Um, ball comes in, whipped in with quite a bit of pace. Uh, the boy tries to sort of kind of cut it out, but it beats um, his own goalkeeper into the back of the net. It's two and all Rangers. I just want to, there's not really much you can actually talk about an own goal, um, but in terms of Rangers' uh, tactics, see, this is this is what annoys me uh, when we come up against a low block, and it's it's happened under Beal, Gio and Gerrard now, and I don't really quite understand it. When, when you're playing against a low block, the opposition team are trying to force you out wide to put the ball in because they know that they've got six foot five defenders in that box and they're going to clear it. And that's all that happened for the first hour at Ibrox on, on Sunday. Um, it was just constantly getting recycled out to the uh, the wide areas and the balls were coming in. Very, very few instances of actually playing through the, the block. And I, I suppose my point here is if it's 
going to come to a game of football against Rangers and Rafe Rovers. Um, Rangers have got better players than Rafe Rovers. I don't think that's too controversial to say that. And if you're going to try and play through them, it's a, a just purely simplistic um, point of view here. There's no science behind this. Uh, so I'm not going to kind of go say that I'm some sort of tactical buff. But surely it would be easier to play through them. It's not always going to work, of course, because of the, the tight, um, compact positioning of the Rafe players. But surely you would get more joy playing through a team who are inferior to you technically. I think you've got to... And I thought Wraith were particularly guilty of this. And I said to you guys at the time, it must be that Largs teaches this. Young Scottish coaches must get drilled in this. It must be all compact, cut-off passing lanes, pack the box. The low block's only been a thing in the last five to ten years, really. I don't know if it comes from Mourinho via Steve Clark and the kind of Largs methodology, but guys like Murray... Uh, Derek McInnes, <clears throat> even David Martindale to an extent, all, pre- all try this philosophy and we have struggled against it and it was less a factor under Geo because we, we weren't hemming teams in as much but as soon as we get in the front foot, teams just go fuck this, camp in and I know what you're saying about playing through but it's difficult when there's just so many bodies, even the best player in the world who at the moment uh, actually Todd Cantwell, can he actually do anything in these tight areas because he's surrounded with four guys, you need to, to draw them out and unfortunately, that means trying to go wide. And I, th- I actually thought we were all right on um, Sunday. I saw a lot of heat on Twitter about the performance, but I thought considering what we were up against and what it was, <clears throat> we moved the ball well, we got into good areas. I thought the attitude was good. <clears throat> Players moved well, by which I mean they dropped the shoulder to beat their man, they sprinted, they made angles. In that regard, I think Cantwell and Raskin have gave us a massive lift. <clears throat> So I thought we were alright. It was basically just a glorified training session against eleven cones, and I've watched the game back, and they've got eight guys between the posts. There's there's not really much you can do about that. You've just got to keep grinding away, and eventually your quality will tell. Tiredness will tell, but <clears throat> playing up through the middle of that is just extraordinarily difficult because you need to have a right run of luck. As soon as you beat one guy, there's another guy. As soon as you beat him, there's another guy. It's just too packed. It's not a tactic. I, Enjoy I'd want to see Rangers adopting. You you look at down south when there's a quality cup tie, and even up here. So one I think there's Wrexham, Sheffield United. They're up here. You've got Darvo in their wee run. Teams have a go. They they they, they go out and have a go at it. We go to Ibrooks, and if you're a Wraith fan, you're disappointed. You're coming away. Maybe not with what ifs, but you're just thinking, fuck. We just went there to get beat. So I thought Rangers were fine tactically playing through the middle. It's difficult. You need to move them about and shift them. It is just going to be a grind, and ultimately that's what it came down to. And then you've got the wee moments of individual quality, but uh, aye, it's something we're going to have to get used to seeing again, especially the way Bill sets up. We set up to dominate the ball. We set up to camp in the edge of the 18-yard line, <clears throat> and teams now go, right, well, we will just camp right in, and they're about as bad a team as I've seen at it, or as good at it if you want. The, the one that stuck me is their number seven, was shutting down the defenders and then the minute it got over the halfway line he was sprinting but absolutely busting his arse to get back to cover Borna that was obviously his job shut down Davies and then cover Borna I'm surprised the boy lasted as long as he did he got booked late on but that's we're up against one tactics like that and two guys like him putting in an absolute premium of effort so it's never going to be a walk in the park a particularly nice to watch but as I say for my part I thought we moved the ball well the attitudes were good 
and we tried to show the creativity that we would expect to Rangers. I suppose my overall point is if you're going to play the percentage game, you've got. I think you would get more joy playing through them than you would playing playing out wide and, and putting it in. And it's you know you're right. It's it's no fault of Rangers. We just need to find a solution. It's a, it's a hard watch. It's a grind, and I get all that. It's just. Um, you know, it's quite depressing knowing that that's what you're going up against when you come up against teams like Rafe. Well, I'm saying like Rafe, uh, like anyone else other than Celtic. And, and I know this is a wider debate, but I kind of had a discussion about it last night on Twitter about how the team, the, the league should be expanded. Like, I couldn't think of anything worse, man, and just diluting the quality even further. And yeah, the- I disagree with that because <coughs> I think the league needs to get expanded, actually. I, I don't up- necessarily think 18, but I would have 14 right away. 14 in a split, which is much better. I just, I, honestly, Kenny, I just couldn't think of anything worse. Like, taking away the games that I look forward to the most, obviously, this, the, the old fun game, taking away that, taking away from that, obviously. The, the 14 would still give you the four games against them, though. Uh, if It's just splitting it into either two, uh, you know, two, two, two sections after, what is that, 26 games, uh, and playing each other home and away thereafter. Um, you know, maybe by top six or a top seven, I don't know, and a, a bottom six or a bottom seven. Um, but listen, I, I'm, can I just say something about what Dave said? I actually tend to agree with Dave that what he said a wee minute ago. I think we were okay. I think we were quite good. But what we have to do, which we certainly uh, didn't particularly do well on Sunday, was see the amount of touches our players are taking. They're taking two, three, four, five touches at a time. We've got to move that ball much, much quicker against teams like that. We've got to shift them. And Dave's absolutely right. We've got to draw them out. But to do that, you've got to have one touch passing. There wasn't enough of that for me on on Sunday. And there hasn't been enough of that all season, actually. But that, that is absolutely key for me, is getting that ball moved much, much quicker than we are doing. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that, and uh, I know exactly who was guilty of that the most, but I'm not even going to get into that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Let's, he's uh, the only one I thought that was the, the back marker. Yeah, yeah, John Lundstrom, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, he was very poor, yeah. so so I was, negative. I was mm. thinking about this earlier before we came on, and one of the things that has impressed me about Raskin and Cantwell is they take the league seriously. And they, they do the wee 5% extra. I've spoken about this loads before. Cantwell does break his neck to get by his man and he does come short when he could when he could stay and he does look for it and give an option when he doesn't have to. He can, you call it hiding. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but you get players who do it and players who don't. Raskin and Cantwell are always an option. They're just they're like two fucking Labradors who just want the tennis ball. They're always looking for it. They're always giving you an option. The lift they've gave us is incredible. And then you get a guy at Lundstrom who's come up for down south, thinks he's better than the league, thinks he's better than the players who about him, thinks he's bigger and stronger, so can take sloppier touches and get away with them. We've conceded goals for that fact. Thinks he can ping big 70-yarders without really being 100% focused. And see if you come up to Scotland and you're no tight in your mannerisms and you're addressing the ball and touch and you're no confident and strong every minute, you'll get eaten up up here. Better players than him have come up in field because... They think they're going to walk it. Barton, off the top of my head. De Boer, probably the best player we've seen this century. That's accurate, but one of the best. It struggled because he didn't take it seriously. And Lundstrom continues to do that and thinks, it's only Wraith Rovers. I can take a manky touch or I can slow it down and I can turn because my ability and my strength will get me out of this situation. The answer is, it doesn't always and it's not going to. And you just can't have a, 
a sloppy attitude to play in the SPL at all, I don't think. I think it's especially at Rangers and probably Celtic as well, where players are going to hassle and harry you. You just can't do it. And again, the only the only downside, the only significant downside to me in the context of the game was him no reaching the heights that he can when he's challenged. It's all well doing it against Leipzig and Dortmund and being really focused and, and dialed in. But you need to do it every game, Ibrox. We come away from Dortmund thinking if we get beaten in the games, we come away from Europe. It feels the same as getting beaten in the League Cup. There's no difference to us. You need to win every game. Do you know the difference between him and Raskin at this minute in time? Raskin, when he wins the ball, uh, has got his head up and he's playing it forward instantly, Dave. And Lundstrom, the minute he wins it back, is putting it backwards. Uh, that, to me, is the difference right away. You can see with the new boys coming in, they want to play it forward all the time. They, they want to get forward. They want to score goals. Whereas this team in general has just got a mindset now about taking their time about things, and he's a major culprit in that, I think. Aye, it's easy option, isn't it? Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. I mean, this, this, again, this is a discussion for another day, which I'm sure we will come on to in the next couple of weeks, but he's not the way forward. He has to be prime uh, candidate for, for leaving in the summer. Um, and my fear is he won't be, because I, I think I think Bill likes him, and uh, he's... Nah, uh, I, as I say, I, I wasn't planning and having this discussion, and I'm, I'm trying to kind of be rational about it, but not for me um, at all. Um, and to be honest, for me to change my mind on that, he's gonna have to have a pretty, pretty immaculate last three months of the season, and uh, I just can't see it. I just cannot see it. And if he does stay next season, and yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be quite worried. Because as you guys say, as soon as he gets the ball, his first thoughts either put it back or put it out wide. But when he's putting it out wide, he's still putting it back because he's sort of kind of going back to the fullbacks, um, taking one, two, three, four touches, um, sometimes losing it. And then he does this really ridiculous thing. I seen something on Twitter that he was like um, eight to one to get booked, which is just mental. So that's a that's a bookie that's just no actually done the research. And if he's having a shit game, he thinks that he'll get the fans on side by getting a booking because he. You know, he'll clatter somebody. And that's what, I've, genuinely, I think that's the last three games I've seen him play that he's done that. Uh, and it's just not good enough. It really just isn't good enough. Because um, I'm actually not sure he is. I said this in the pod a wee while back. I'm not sure he is going to be here next season. I've got a funny feeling Bill has lost patience with a number of these players. And I, I've just got that feeling that Lundstrom, being a, a, a sellable asset as it is actually, because you were well selling me a a good championship club or a bottom tier, you know, Premier League club, and you'll sell them for a few quid. Yeah. And it, it would it would help fund this rebuild that we're going to have to have. Don't for me personally, don't be surprised if he's told he can go in the summer. Honestly. Yeah. Well. Yes, so. But anyway, as I say, it's a discussion for maybe in a couple of weeks when we do a kind of deep dive as well into kind of all things transfers. Um, and we'll probably discuss that in more depth. Uh, just before we come to the final goal, which Arfield scored, there was um, there was a sighting of three men on uh, Sunday who we haven't seen on the same pitch probably ever. Um, John Suter, Yanis Hadji and Ridvan Yilmaz all came on um, with about 20 minutes to go. Suter and Hadji, we know, uh, they're sort of up to speed um, Injury-wise, like there's no, there's no um, 
there's no kind of 50-50 there, it's just they need to get minutes. Yilmaz, we were told, is a wee bit behind, so I was a wee bit surprised to see Yilmaz, but apparently he obviously had the B game uh, against Celtic, but apparently we, we arranged uh, an indoor game for him as well, kind of behind closed doors game, and he gets some minutes there, so he came on. Um, good to see the free room. I think they've got a. I think they've got a part to play. Maybe not this season, but certainly going into next season. I can see free the, all three of those guys having a very important role to play, especially on the back of Michael Beale's comments about possibly moving to free in the back. Um, and Suter, as we know, can step into midfield, can take the ball, um, and it can actually pass into midfield as well, which is is, is something that will be essential in that sort of kind of formation. Hadji. Best I've seen Haji since he came back. Uh, his, his pass to Cantmill for the third goal was that's Yanis Haji, I remember. Um, so just on Red Van Yomas, he never done much, let's just be honest. Uh, we're not going to completely critique his 20 minute cameo. The one thing I will say about Yomas is I love his positioning. I absolutely love his positioning. Like, that's a boy that does not care about defending at all. Um, and don't get me wrong, that could obviously. Uh, be a negative in the future but if we're going three at the back it shouldn't be because obviously one of the defenders probably Ben Davis will cover him for that but you've seen the minute he came on he was effectively a winger um, and that I mean that's all we've got to go on at the moment we've not really seen much of the boy but it's these kind of wee intricate details that get me excited about Red Van Yomans and I think there's definitely going to, there definitely is a player there, don't get me wrong. We just need to see it now. My biggest worry about Yomaz is his physicality. He's so tiny, but this is a boy who just wants to attack. Um, and if we, I'm not saying that Borner doesn't, because Borner is obviously up and down all the time uh, uh, in terms of the wing, not his form or his mentality, which he could probably say as well. But um, Borner's position is far deeper and maybe he's better at coming from the deep but obviously Yilma is being so high up that pitch that gives teams who are playing in a low block something else to think about so yeah I'm, I'm excited about Yilma's David are you? Hey, it's hard to say so early in his career considering he's not even played probably a whole 90 minutes yet but there's bits and pieces about him as you say you can try and piece together the picture until we get a better handle on it his pace, his directness, the position that I noticed as well, he was 10 yards higher up than even Borna, who is basically a winger in this system anyway. And <clears throat> direct, getting into the box, looks creative. He's another one who spoke about Cantwell and Tillman, Cantwell and uh, Raskin, lighting a fire under the midfield. Hopefully he lights a fire under Borna. And then you've got three, four if Tillman comes back and stays, young players, well, three who are busy and always looking to get in the ball and being a bit more dynamic. And I, it's early days yet, but if he comes in and starts to find his feet, <clears throat> just in terms of the energy levels, I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, start a few of the games against Celtic, given Borna's history in that fixture. I don't know about that, but um, I, it's, I think we will see a lot more of him between now and the end of the season. Hopefully he stays fit and hopefully he can show us what, what he's got and, and start to attempt to start to justify that hefty price tag that is weighing him down around his neck. He's obviously not going to justify it between now and the end of the season, but he can actually start the process. Saying that, Dave, if he scores a 35-yarder against Elliot, I think it's fully justified. Um, well, aye. aye. So, the game was wrapped up with Scott Arfield scoring in the 87th minute, Kenny. As I say, Yannis Hadji played a lovely ball inside to Cantwell. Cantwell threads it through, and there was Arfield arriving late into the box, slotting it home, 3-0 Rangers. Puts a more realistic shine on the game, uh, you know, 
Rangers probably should have scored more, but we got the third goal. Um, Scott Arfield does what Scott Arfield does. Uh, Cantwell is doing what we're now presuming Cantwell will do. Um, and I, as I say, we will come on to Cantwell in a minute. But the the point I made uh, prior to this, obviously, was the role Yannis Hadji played. A lovely ball into the feet of Cantwell. Uh, Cantwell. He's got such cracking feet. He's, he's two-footed. He's got a, a cracking balance about him. It's a lovely ball. But can I, can I say something about him that I noticed? I don't know if Dave noticed it as well. The size of him. He's bulked up in a massive way. He looked much, much bigger than I'd ever seen him. Who are we talking Hadji. Hadji. Yeah. Aye, he just looked much bigger. He looked a good stone heavier to me than, you know, than perhaps, you know, before his injury. Where I always felt he was a wee bit lightweight, he he looked solid. I don't, I don't know what you thought, Dave, but I actually thought what the upper body was big. Actually. I thought it was just his hair. He's desperately need a haircut. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> but, it might but, be. No, I, I know, know what you're saying. He does look his upper body. <clears throat> his legs still look quite slight, but he's still, his upper body still looks or looks now as if it's much bigger. It's not done his pace any good. Maybe that's just coming back no, to the injury. But, but it's maybe just a year in the gym, isn't it? The, but I, 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 I don't know. He just looked bigger. But aye, listen. That that boy. To get back to what you were saying, Chris. Sorry, but that that boy has got. Bags and bags of potential, and as Dave says, if if he's got the pace required for the top level, he's not going to be at Ibrox. But um, yeah, he just he's got something about him that I, I, I'm looking, I'm hoping. Uh, we've talked about this again on the pod before, but I'm just hoping that he doesn't break down with this injury at all, and he gets a full, you know, from here to the end of the season, gets a few games, gets more and more minutes under his belt, gets a proper pre-season under his belt. And you'll see the best of him again next year. He's a clever, clever boy as well, and an intelligent football player. And the pass through to Cantwell, as you say, is brilliant. The the Cantwell ball through to to Arfield as well is also very clever because I think 70 percent of your attack-minded players are going to shoot for there. He seen the better option and played it. And as you say, Arfield did what Arfield does. Um, Cracking goal, actually. Really enjoyed that goal. I'll probably shock you here, Kenny, about my opinion on Yanis Hadji, but I am, I've got a very love-hate relationship with Yanis Hadji. Uh, I actually think you're saying, uh, obviously, next year we'll see the best of him. I think in his whole time at Rangers, we're yet to see the best of him. I think he's been very inconsistent. I think he's um, I think he's, he's far more capable than he's actually shown in a consistent level. And... The, the the funny thing is, right, um, it was really, really frustrating me at the start of last season. I just, it was really doing my head in. And Dave, you make a great point. One of the things about Yanis Hadji that isn't actually his fault is his lack of pace. He, he's, for a boy that is so fat and so physically strong, he's so slow. Um, and obviously Gerard deployed him on the right at sometimes. And when Gio came in, he actually started to see a new side of Yanis Hadji and I was like, all oh, right, now we're going to see the real Yanis Hadji and then boom, disaster strikes. And I just hope that Bill has that effect on him and plays him in his correct position because outright, he's no use to anybody. Um, he's not quick enough to do it. Don't get me wrong, if he cuts in, there might be a wee bit of one or two moments of magic. But it just, I just hope that we play him in the correct position. But this is the conundrum. Because if it's in Tillman, the two of them play in the same position, so one of them's going to have to be pushed out, and neither of them, let's, 
let's be frank about it, neither of them are good enough to play out wide, um, or, or, or neither of them are capable of playing out wide because obviously what needs to be done. So that's going to be a, a good a good headache for Michael Beal, hopefully, um, next season. But I, I've, I expect, I've got big expectations for Giannis Adjie, which is a wee bit unfair because of the injury, but he really needs to start delivering for me because I, I just don't think he's done enough. And Kenny, does that shock you that I've got that opinion? Because it probably... No, no, it doesn't, Chris. And I'll tell you why, because he frustrates me as well, because as I've just said to you, I think, I think he's got bags of talent. He's good. <laughs> In he's the got world. a technical ability. Aye. Beg your pardon, Chris. Uh, that's what I'm saying. He's got all the talent in the world, and that's what frustrates yeah. me. It's, it's he's almost a, holds some back. He's got a technical ability that um, might well be second to run up there, actually, uh, up at Ibrox. And I'm not trying to bum him up there when I say that. I genuinely do kind of perhaps think that, that in terms of the, the technical ability, he has it in, in, in spades. But what I have noticed is that he, he lacks a responsibility. He won't take a responsibility a lot. Absolutely spot on. You know that that's that's what I've been looking for. That kind of bullseye. But uh, uh, it is the, the issue with him. You know what I mean? Aye, he, he won't You've just take nailed it. it there. You've just nailed it there. He needs to become a leader in the team. At right. A focal point. He's too happy just to float around the edges and days wee bit now and again. Maybe that comes from being Georgie Hadji's star, but. I just had his boy, you know what I mean? Well, funny enough, when Chris was speaking there, I actually thought that see if see see if he's got more, you know, more of the the balls, if you like, of his dad, he'll be much more of a player. Um, he's got he's got it, he has got it, the kid. But what he does have to do is take the game by the scruff of the neck, take his team by the scruff of the neck, and say, look, I'm not having this. Let's. But again, uh, you know, is it is it a maybe that lack of pace that? You know, it's causing that lack of confidence. I don't know because our game, he, he's got to get up and down and up and down. Where just to deviate very quickly here, you know, Bill talking about playing with maybe perhaps three at the back next season might suit him down to a T, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is with, with Yanis Haji is in that number 10 role, in the Tillman role, if you will, because I think Tillman has shown more in that role than Haji has over a consistent level. I, I, and this might sound really quite bizarre what I'm about to suggest, but Hadji being that wee bit deeper might actually help him because it, it would protect his lack of pace. It would give him a, a bigger area to map out his his vision, his creativity, his range of passing which he's got. And there is a bit of dig about the boy, you know what I mean? He's no he's he doesn't shy away for tackles. I mean his injury was caused from being brave. Now whether the injury actually has a, an, an adverse effect in, in that in, in that respect because he might think twice about getting in for tackles or whatever. I don't know. That remains to be seen. But he's, he's a brave boy. You know what I mean? There's, there's no shying away for it. He, he, does, he does the dirty work as well when he can. Obviously, the lack of pace, as we've discussed, kind of prevents him from doing a lot of it. But I think a, a kind of deeper role in midfield might actually be the answer here to obviously having Hadji and Tillman in the same team, Dave, what do you think of that or do you just think that it just wouldn't work for them, Dave, you don't I think you want them in areas where you can hurt teams, <clears throat> which is higher up the park, but for me, the, I don't know if you've found a trap there with the Hadji-Tillman thing, I want both of them in the squad, I want both of them at the club, regardless, because we need that depth of quality, we need there's 60 games in a season for us now, they're going to, they can play 30 each and probably... 30 half an hours between the two of them but 
I'm not a big fan of three at the back per se, but that's another discussion. But for me, there's always going to be a place for these guys in the team, especially with five subs now. If we can bring on Hadji or Tillman most weeks, you're going to break the low block down because teams will get tired. Their movement and vision's just too good and they will hurt teams. So, aye, the fact he's back now, I, I think this season's a right-off for him. I don't think you'll see him in many big games. Just get him back up to speed and try and get him into the, the picture for next season. I think the the reason we've kind of, you know, spoke uh, at length about Hadji uh, on this particular podcast is because we've finally seen that moment of quality film, which we haven't seen since he's returned. His return is just basically getting minutes into the legs, running about um, one or two passes, whatever. But yesterday, uh, sorry, Sunday, we've seen finally what it is we know he can bring to the, to the team. And now I, I think Dave, Kenny um, and all the other Rangers fans will now expect them to kind of, you know, kick on from here and show us more of that between now and the end of the season. I agree with Dave. I don't think we're going to see much of them um, between now and the end of the season in terms of that quality that, that he brings. But certainly getting into next season, to Kenny's point, he should be in a very, very good place. So here, here's hoping. Um, we've all got to, obviously, the, the, the post-match stuff as well. But just one thing that I do want to touch upon, as I, as I said, was Todd Cantwell. Now, it wasn't his best game, obviously. I think... Uh, it played very well, but what I mean by that is obviously it wasn't afforded the the freedom of Ibrox, maybe the way he was Easter Road, where he was just absolutely fantastic. Um, he had to use the ball more cleverly, um, he had to be more uh, smart and uh, streetwise, and he was, but that's not what I want to talk about, because we could talk about that all day with Todd Cantwell. The thing that I want to talk about is the thing that we thought Todd Cantwell lacked. Now, that's to our ignorance, because obviously we didn't watch him every single week with Norwich. Um, but the, I'm, I'm trying not to be kind of derogatory here towards uh, Cantwell, but he had, a, he had a certain image before he joined Rangers. Um, now, I think best describe it as a space boy image. I don't think that's too derogatory. I don't think that's too inaccurate. I actually think it's pretty much spot on. He's a very, very... He's, he's a free spirit. He Todd Cantwell does what Todd Cantwell wants to do. He doesn't care. <laughs> he's dancing about this, man. He's absolutely not, dancing about I, 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 I know what I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Everybody can fall in the blanks. Um, and the one thing that... Todd Cameron was brought to this Rangers team that I, and never in a million years did I think this would actually be the case is dig. This boy has got it in abundance, man. And I just, I can't remember the last time I fell in love with Rangers, a new Rangers player so quickly, genuinely. Um, I knew I was going to like Cameron, but I thought, right, we're probably going to just have to write off this kind of half season. We'll wait till the start of next season and we'll, I'll, I'll see why I'm going to love him. But nah, straight away I'm just like this. This is a boy, man. This this is a boy for me, and he gets about and doesn't he shrink anything. And the one thing that I do want to talk about, in particular in, in the Rafe game, was gets absolutely smashed by some Rafe Rovers hammer throw. Terrible tackle. Wasn't even a free kick. Cantwell was like, "Is that right? Is that fucking right?" Puts a wee note in his black book. Two minutes later, smashes him back, takes the book and gets up, starts our Rami. Um, as somebody said as well, Raskin was the first of his, his defence. Love to see that. Um, Dave, if you were going to tell me eight weeks ago that we were going to sign Todd Cantwell and that's the kind of play we're going to get, I'd be like, you're absolutely fucking off your nut. But that's to my ignorance um, and to many others' ignorance. It's absolutely brilliant to see the, the dig this boy brings and it's it's a welcome surprise a very very nice one as well 
absolutely, I'm going to be honest and say that he, he looks quite physically slight, which is, and uh, you look at his TikToks and I'm a 40 year old dad, right? I, we all want, guys this certain age want kind of hard men playing for Rangers, you want your kind of Richard Goff types. I'm utterly amazed at how hard Cantwell is. I said the other day, he's like a reincarnation of Stuart McCall with worse hair. He gets a boot, he wins tackles, he flies into everything. And when he got up and he cemented that boy, I saw it coming. I'm like, he's going to do this, and sure enough, amazing. I didn't, I never thought. I thought we might get ability because he was touted for a big move down south, but never in a million years did I think we were getting such a dose of steel into the midfield as well, which we have been sorely like proper steel, sorely lacking it. Spoke about somebody else who might fall into the kind of plastic hard man territory, but we'll leave him alone for him. Aye, absolutely delighted with a side of Cantwell's game that he's a wee bastard as well as being a terrific football player. We've won a watch. I tell you something, enjoy Cantwell the new because he is here for an absolute maximum of two seasons. A season, he, a, a, end of next season, he's out here because yeah. somebody's going to come and take him off our hands. Consider what did we pay for him? Uh, 1.5. Oh, somebody down south is absolutely coming in to take him off our hands at the end of next season. So just let's just enjoy him and just turn this into a Todd Cantwell. Stand pod in the meantime. Do you know what I liked about that wee incident as well? See, when he did the boy, he gets straight up and he was pointing, he was right in his face, pointing at him and telling him why that's that's retribution, pal. Don't try that with me. Uh, and I really did enjoy that. And I, I quite liked the wee rascal thing as, as well. <laughs> Smashed the boy immediately after. But what I've really, really liked about Cantwell. Uh, which again has really surprised me because see, see this wiriness that he's got. He does look slight, as Dave says, but he's played the Premier League for two seasons. He's played in the Championship for three or four seasons as well. These are not uh, uh, try not to say something derogatory. These are not lightweight leagues, right? These are big, hard leagues, and he's used to playing in them. So coming up here, we shouldn't have actually been surprised, but I was same as you two. I've been totally surprised that at the dig that he's got but the thing that I really love about him he doesn't stop moving all the time Chris he's yeah. moving 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 he's, he's there for a one two he's there he passes it he moves forward he's there again for the next guy all the time it is and as Dave says we're not keeping this kid long if he keeps this up because he looks a quite a special player to me actually and yeah. you'll not get me saying that very often about players in Scotland he actually looks quite a special player. It's a very small thing, obviously, getting up and um, giving your giving your man a receipt after receiving one yourself. But genuinely, when was the last time you can think of a Rangers player that done that? I, 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 I can't even think of... You're going to have to go back to Kevin Thompson, Barry Ferguson. I, I just can't even think of... A, maybe Ryan Jack. I, I seem to remember he got sent off against Aberdeen. Not the Stephen May one, but... Um, it was it was another game where he just he done somebody after getting a tackle, but I see I see that too often Rangers players being a soft touch and not doing anything about it, especially in the. I'm South. pretty sure Alfredo's I'm pretty sure Alfredo's got a few retributions in his locker, but nah, he's just a, <laughs> maybe not with the same level of guile that Cantwell managed. I, I think I think Alfredo's problem is it isn't a retribution. It was just what was going on in his head. But do you know what? It's a good segue. Let's, let's go on to Alfredo, obviously. Right, okay. Michael Beale discussed with Ayerplay after the game uh, that he confirmed he wants to give Jack a new deal. He confirmed that he wants to give Kent a new deal. He actually said something very interesting, which we will discuss um, over the next 
week or two when we do our in-depth pod on all things Ross Wilson and the board he said that no one has been offered a new contract and that is up to the powers that be now guys try and refrain from talking about Ross Wilson because we've all come on to that I mean that that in itself is a fucking that is a mental statement when you think about it Um, however he did not confirm that Alfredo Morelos would get a new deal. Um, this is on the back of some speculation uh, that he'd signed our pre-contract with Seville. Um, he said that Alfredo hasn't told us um, if that is the case. Uh, essentially, he said that he doesn't think it's the case, um, but he also said that Alfredo is free to talk to anyone. Um, and if Alfredo wants to stay at Rangers or even get into the team between now and the end of the season, he has to do more. Uh, Bill, as Bill does at times, he contradicts himself because I will say here, um, I'm a big fan of Alfredo Morello, so I'm obviously going to stick up for him when I feel that it's worthy to do so. And the thing that I'll stick up from here is, Bill also said in the same segment that Alfredo Morelos has been training really well, and then he says he brings a lot to the team, but he just needs to do more. So there's a wee bit of a kind of grey area there of what he needs to do more, um, because if he's confirming that he's obviously... Uh, doing well at training, and he's obviously been performing over the last two months. Um, I don't think that's too controversial to say. I'm unsure what it is he needs to do. Is it? Does he just need to tell... Is it as simple, Kenny, as Alfredo just needs to be honest with the club, tell us where he's at? Is there too much ambiguity there? Um, or do you think that Bill has a point because you can see yourself that Alfredo needs to do more? Because I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of... I'm a fan of Cholak, the finisher. I'm not a fan of Cholak, the player. And I think we've seen the very worst Antonio Cholak against Rafe. Now, that's quite a statement. understand that. But when you're playing against a team like Rafe Rovers, Antonio Cholak is absolutely just of no use to us. Um, whereas if Alfredo was playing against Rafe Rovers, he would have created a wee bit more chaos outside the box because obviously he's better than Cholak at that. So... I'm unsure where I sit here. Um, I understand a lot of Rangers fans were divided by this because obviously Morelos hasn't signed a new contract, but um, how can he sign a new contract if it's not been offered to him? Well, look, uh, there's a there's way to start with this. Look, uh, Alfie's overweight. He's still overweight. He's been overweight all season, Chris. There's there's just no getting away from that. The boy is carrying uh, and he needs to lose it. Right, it's it's affecting his game all round. He's you're saying that you know uh, Michael Beale's contradicting himself. I don't know if he is actually because I, I'm not I've not been convinced with Morelos' performances all season. Um, I, I think he's doing just enough uh, in the games. I don't think he's uh, particularly going out his way to go that extra yard for us. Um, he might want to sit in of a night or two. Stop being seen up the city centre, which he's been, <laughs> which has been happening all season. Um, you know, there's there's a number of things about Alfie that concern us all. But the one thing that I, I again I've got to look at and say, in fairness, he's been here six years. He's, he came here as a, a twenty year old kid. He's twenty six now. He's got that big big move. Uh, at the you know what is supposed to be the peakiest career where he will get that you know that contract that sets him up for life or whatever, um, and I'm not sure if I'm Michael Beale I'd want to give him it, uh, and that's not me being hard because I love the boy to bits uh, and I'll be forever grateful for uh, all of his time here. To be fair, he's a mad wee bastard. There's just no getting away from it, but sometimes it is 
you know, you've got to cut that cord sometimes. You've just got to cut them loose. Uh, and I've just got a funny feeling that there's a few up there that think that it's time to move on. Uh, Alfie might be the same himself. I don't know. But I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, listen, I'm, I'm havering a wee bit here because I, I'm kind of torn. If you get Alfie from two or three years ago, you want him here. It's guaranteed. But would I be offering him the 35, 40, 45 grand a week that's been quoted and give him a three or four year deal? No, I don't know if I would, Chris. So I, I genuinely don't know about this at the minute. Uh, but I also thought that Michael Beale coming out and saying it is a hint that he's not staying. He's just not going to stay. So uh, he'll go with my blessing, put it that way. But I'll be sad to see him go. But I'll be looking forward to bringing perhaps two strikers in then um, on the same kind of money that he would want, to be honest. So, you know, it's all about the club for me in that sense and what's best for Rangers. And I'm not sure that Alfie staying is the best at the minute. But I'd love him to stay if it was two or three years ago. Or the Alfie of two or three, two or three years ago. Yeah, I think his time's up. I think when your manager's coming out, you're looking at both ways, he's, he's, he's saying stuff about Alfie but he's also not saying stuff he's leaving a lot to the imagination there and we can all kind of read between the lines some is will be wrong some is will be right but the fact that he's actually um, put himself in that position to talk about Morelos um, I think that I, I think Morelos's time at the club is up very sadly um, and yeah it's it's just one of those things that happens in football players better than Alfredo Morelos has left and we've got on with it and we've dealt with it and we've moved on and at times we've actually got better so um, here's hoping that's the case as well so let's uh, discuss some of the controversy around the match that happened off the field uh, so see just on Alfredo right you can tell you two are talking about it and there's quite an emotional kind of tone in your voice he's both quite wistful and I think that's fair in how we all feel because he's the first he was the first superstar when we came back up that we've had for years the head exactly the attitude I, I, it was a player we guys could all love and identify with and I know he's my daughter's favourite and she loves his goal song and we do all get emotional talking about him because we do we do love him but I just as you guys say I think it's done it's the bad or the sad thing for me really is no it's, he's gone with his legacy a wee bit tarnished just with how it's, it's on both sides for me and I'll come on to why I think that in a minute but he's not really going to get the kind of flourish or finale well might yet but does don't think so that he deserves and for me the crime is the fact that a guy who was worth 15 and is worth 15 million pound if he gets back to blah 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 we know what that's that's saying but he's, he's leaving for nothing that sticks in my craw massively i just find that so hard to accept it we've mismanaged the guy to the extent that we're losing him for nothing when he was at he was a top europa league level striker the clubs Porto, sevilla clubs at that level should have been queuing up for him at that point and we should have cashed in so it's a failure of, Management, but I also think it's been a failure of man management. The fact that I think the relationship between Alfie and the club's pretty much broke down, mm-hmm. and I think he's lost his hunger. Uh, well, his hunger for mm-hmm. for fucking things that are these misses cakes. Uh, he's but, lost his hunger on the pitch. <clears throat> That's manifesting itself in the off the field stuff. I don't think he's he's got his obvious challenges in terms of his upbringing and his background. And <clears throat> I don't know if the club have done enough. I think the club have mishandled him. Uh, I think they've mishandled the situation, which probably leads us directly into one of the next controversies, which is the off the board thing, which to me is exactly the same thing. 
we'll, listen, yeah. Johnny, can I just interject very quickly? Well, Dave, you're bang yeah. on, but this is what I'm saying about the boy being here so long. There's only so many times you can play Motherwell and St Johnston, and you know the Absolutely. boy must have played this, this, these teams twenty odd times now. Absolutely, and, and I think he wanted that big move. He wanted to move to Spain. I think that exactly. was his agenda for day one. And we've put the golden handcuffs on him a wee bit, and not been sensible about it. And says, look, minimum fee. If we get a good offer for Spain, here's your thirty grand a week at twenty three. If we get a good offer for Spain, we'll let you go. We've probably reneged on that. We've probably yep. had bids and went the the China bid was probably life changing. That would have it apart his Spain dreams. Went to China for fucking eighty, ninety, a hundred grand a week, whatever they were paying at the time. And we've went, nah, we're not accepting that offer. Leela have come in and he seems to have been prepared to take that as a second option and we've said no. So he's now in a position where he's got that to the club. Do you know what? Fuck you, he's have these have denied me my dreams of you paid me money. But I'm not happy. And I think it's the club's mismanagement of the whole situation that's kind of led us it. And I don't exonerate Alfie because he's, for every Porto and every final the way, there are two or three Aberdeens and Park Kids. So let's not kid yeah. on. We're all on board with Alfie. There's fault on both sides. But my first lot is to the club and I look at the way the club have handled it and go, do you know what? This is poor and it's resulted in a poor outcome for Alfie, who is now stuck where he is and will probably get an inferior move for the club because we're not getting any money. And for the fans who are seeing the first real hero of the kind of rebirth of the club post the motion is now leaving me still between his legs and know that much of a legacy. I think you're spot on, Dave. I think that's absolutely perfect, actually. We will come on to you off the board. We'll, we'll just uh, kind of touch upon the Union Bears uh, and the Rangers board, the battle there. Um, I'm not going to go right into it, reading out statements and stuff. I'll just kind of give the gist of it, which is essentially the Union Bears... Um, they've got a cupboard at Ibrox and that was essentially raided by the police um, and it was given the go-ahead by the, the, the board um, because there was an offensive banner um, about the police. Now, the offensive banner that's transpired was a picture of um, a pig and a police hat and then it was ACAB, a- um, which means all cops are bastards. Uh, that was in the kind of... Um, it was... In number form, so whatever that is, it's like one, two, one, three, or something like that. Um, but it means all cops are bastards. Um, and Rangers basically said to the police, "No, you're right. That they're they're no um, they're no displaying that." Uh, so the Union Bears, it seems, took the huff. Um, I'm not saying they have. I'm just saying it seemed at the time because we only had one side of the story. The Union Bears. The Union Bills then released their own statement um, with a picture of a banner saying Ross Wilson, Director of Failure, and they said that um, essentially the Rangers board didn't allow them to display um, their banners. They didn't say what banner. They didn't mention the particular banner that the Rangers board released to Chris Jack at the Herald, um, which obviously was the... ACAB banner, but I think we'll call it the the the, the ACAB banner. Um, so there's a wee bit of kind of ambiguity there. We we don't really know what banner was offensive, other than taking Rangers the Rangers board's word for it. Now the problem I've got with taking the Rangers board's word for that is the fact that the previous week against Kilmarnock at home, um, banners 
protesting against Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson were confiscated on the direction of the Rangers board's um, word. They gave direct they gave directives to the security to confiscate that, and obviously one or two still managed to get the banners um, shown, which I believe has really really annoyed the Rangers board. Now, uh, where where they start with us? Like, um, is that offensive? A pig with a police sat on with a cab. Um, now, I've never. Uh, I'm trying to think how to word this. I've I've never been in trouble. Um, I, I don't have a criminal record. Um, but I've had uh, I've had run-ins with the police, so I'm not the biggest fan. So I'm probably not the best to actually discuss this particular matter because I would always side on the the side of the union bills for this. I think police in this country are a disgrace. Um, and I'm I've got literally no respect for them. So I don't actually agree with the banner. Um, but if we're looking at the actual facts, how football fans are treated in this country, um, it's an absolute fucking joke. Um, look, I don't want to bring them up, but the Green Brigade, obviously I don't like them, but the way that they were treated last weekend was just shocking. Brilliant. Sorry. <laughs> um, the, the Green Brigade's reaction to it was just, that, that was poor, that was ridiculous. Um, which, by the way, I think there's a correlation there to the Green Brigade outing certain police officers um, and then the police going, oh, fuck this, he's not getting away with us, and they took it out in the Rangers fund. I genuinely think that's what's happened here. Um, but you've seen what happened to the Green Brigade, so if you're not aware, basically the Green Brigade were absolutely hounded at Parkhead by undercover police officers. Um, we're talking about young boys here going to watch their team play football and have a, I, of course, at the beginning brigade, I've got fucking many, many feelings. And um, as I say, I don't like them. And I'm not even going to get into all this controversy that we've done. But at the end of the day, they're still football fans, um, just like the Union Bears are. And to have actual under... The, the cost of that operation, just to stand and watch football fans support their team, is just, I don't get it. So I understand the the reason for that banner but the the union bears have not actually disclosed that that was the banner and and the interesting thing for me was the banner that they shown in the statement was the one about ross wilson which as we've established rangers tried to confiscate that last week against Comarno. not not that particular banner but a, a similar banner um obviously uh criticizing wilson and robertson that this is this is just one load of North Korea bullshit for me. Um, Rangers trying to censor the fans. Um, I spoke to one of my mates and he actually turned around and says, even Mike Ashley never done that. And that, that that's pretty damning uh, criticism. If we if if our protesting is peaceful, it's sensible and it's not offensive, which that Ross Wilson director of failure, that's not offensive. That is peaceful. Um, What's the matter with that? The the police thing, uh, it's double standards because I think it's fair to say that Rangers or the Union Bears have produced far more offensive banners about the police than the one that they plan to do or allegedly plan to do on Sunday. I actually remember in actual words, um, all cops are bastards. It wasn't a cab, it was all cops are bastards. That was an actual banner under this very board. Nothing was done then, nothing was said then about it. Um, so it's just a mess, an absolute mess. And for me, now, uh, cards on the table, you know, I'm looking at it through how I feel about the board. Um, currently, 
Um, for me, it's a soft touch board. No want to hear the truth. No want to hear the fans criticising them. It's back patting at its very finest. And it's, uh, I just don't get it. Bennett and Park are playing a very, very dangerous game here because they're not under fire at the moment. Yeah, they've made plenty of mistakes over the last couple of years, especially the last six months they've made plenty of mistakes. But the fact that they're trying to protect these two um, who have made genuine, genuine mistakes that have affected us on and off the park. You look at the state of the squad at the start of the season, you look at the recruitment, um, you obviously look at the, the, the Morello situation we just spoke about, uh, you look at the Sydney friendly, you look at the farce, which was Edmondson House delays and over over budget, all this kind of stuff. Um, well, to be fair, that isn't really Robertson or Wilson, but you, you, you get the gist. There is many, many things that we can legitimately point to to say that Wilson and Robertson are not doing a good job and we would like them to be removed. And the Rangers board are just not having it. You look at Stuart Gibson's comments, obviously praising uh, Ross Wilson in particular, but not giving any substance to that praise, not telling his board as he's done well. Um yeah, uh, this Kenny, this is going to get really ugly really quick because this is going to be this is the Union Bears' first game back at Ibrox next week. Uh, or, or, or I think it's Dundee United the following week. It's going to be a banner about the board, and it's just going to it's just going to get worse and worse until until something happens. And what that thing is that needs to happen, I do not know. I would I know what I would like it to be. Obviously, the removal of Wilson first and then Robertson, but um, until something actually happens here, it's just going to get worse and worse, and it's just bullshit that we don't need that could have easily have been managed. Well, look, um, how do you, where do you start with this kind of thing? Uh, th- this this board, right, that, that it's never, ever a wise idea to um, get confrontational with the supporters. Right, any supporters of it, and I'm talking about any board of any football team, right, or any football club, don't get confrontational with the rank and file because you you aren't going to ever be seen as right, okay? Um, now, that's not me trying to just necessarily back the Union Bears here, but they've got a voice, they've got a right to a voice, they've got the, they pay their money, they've got the right to their opinion, it's a banner. Right, that banner about Ross Wilson is a perfectly valid uh, criticism that whether they like it or not, probably about, you know, maybe 90, maybe 80, 75, 80% of the support feel the same way about Ross Wilson at this minute. And that's me being conservative about it. As for the cops one, I think you nailed it. I think that what happened with the Green Brigade uh, the week before is probably... Um, piss the police off to the point where they, if they've got some kind of intel uh, intelligence about it, uh, they've said we're not having that, uh, and our board has succumbed to the, the outside wishes. Um, you know, in terms of what our supporters are doing, now the union bears are young boys, Chris, um, that go and support the football team and give us an atmosphere and all the rest of it. Sometimes. If I'm going to be critical of them, I think they're a, they've got a quite a high opinion of themselves, which I don't necessarily always agree uh, with, or necessarily think they merit. But at the same time, they're just like you or I or anybody else, and they're young kids. Now I'm 52, and these kids are, you know, my boys' age and, and stuff like that. Uh, and if this was had to happen to my boy from this Rangers board or from the police. I would be one fucked off dad, put it that way, with everybody. Um, 
I, I, I actually don't really know what to You know, apart from what I've just said there, I don't really know what else I can say about this, apart from to kind of agree with most of what you've said. Um, they are being confrontational, our board, whether they see that or not. And I hope the the fans li- liaison officer actually listens to this and takes this on board that the club can't win with this. That's my personal opinion. But they won't and they can't win with stuff like this. This is a paying customer. You said something about Mike Ashley earlier on. Yeah, but he didn't give a shit, right? He, he couldn't care less what people said about him. But your point is still valid. Even he didn't stop that. Now, what kind of dictatorship is that that succumbs to out you know outside pressure and throws your customers to the wolves I, I don't like that I don't like that at all I've got to be honest um apart from that Chris I, d- I don't really know what to say without getting myself into bother so <laughs> I'll leave it at that if you know what I mean no, but not not happy with it not happy with our board um man up and grow up here maybe. You know, stand up. If you're going to take criticism, you better get used to it because it's not going away. I said it the last time I was on this podcast and they better get this into their heads, Chris. Rangers is, football in general, but Rangers in particular is about winning trophies. See when you don't win them, you are going to get stick. And the, the longer it goes on, the worse that stick's going to be. They better get used to it, Chris. They better. Dave, who's your take on it all? So, if, for me, the, the cop banner bit is a bit of a red herring, right? I'd, I'd be surprised. I'm about 50-50 on whether that actually existed. For me, it's a clear and transparent attempt by the board to silence criticism, which is something they've done from day one under King. When they amalgamated uh, Rangers first in the trust in 1872 and in-housed it by giving it um, premises inside and basically turning into a, an internal vehicle. They neutered fan criticism. Independence is a fundamental principle of accountability. That's inarguable. They then furthered that by encroaching on the media. And no, I don't give a fuck about media. I'd ban a lot of them, right? But it's no great optics for Rangers to ban journalists and then their fan media thing. And this story has come from a, a quote-unquote friendly journalist who... Works are no casting any persons in Chris Jack's integrity and what he's been told, but it's coming through an outlet that Rangers use to disseminate stories. And I think I spoke in the pod the other night about how good Rangers are at using the media against us, where Celtic use it to further a narrative to the wider world. So you've got a board who've gone out their way to insulate themselves from criticism and silence it among the fans, and have an SLA who's an SLO, sorry, who's no fit for purpose, and the whole scenario around AGMs and all that. So. For me, this is a whether that banner existed or not, as you said, ACAB is just part of the gimmick of these wee guys <clears throat> who, for what it's worth, guys like the Union Bears, the, the St Mirren, Motherwell, Ultras, <clears throat> they're not a patch in the kind of Italians and South Americans and they model themselves after, but you know what? I like them, good on them. They bring a bit of colour, a bit of passion. The banner's good with some of the banners and so on. So I like these wee guys, even the Green Brigade, you need these wee guys to be bringing a bit of spectacle, right? So Politics aside, I'm on board with what they do as well, right? So that's just part of it. ACAB, the scarfs up, the kid on hooligans. They don't really get much violence in them, right? There's not really a legal problem. The pyro thing, fucking just let them bring safe pyro in. It adds colour, right? 
So I'm on board with all that. The Rangers must have granted the police access to that cupboard or, or asked them to search it because it's a, a lock-safe place in a business premises. Police aren't allowed to just go in there. They did have asked or been encouraged. So the board have said to go in there and check this out or, or go in or the police have said we've got a tool and they've went in and, and found this banner. It just so happens there's banners criticising the board. Transparent for me. That ACAB banner, neither here nor there. They wanted to silence fan criticism. And for me, as you say, they've stepped into North Korea territory. They've stepped over a line. The sad thing is, what about me? Most people are oh, fucking union bears. I think there's a long way to go before we reach critical mass amongst the fan base. We're getting them on side. But at the minute, the union bears are the only fan voice public fan voice that we have because 1872 is a shell that's literally not worth the office space it's given so one i think more fans need to be brought onto the realities of the board and the realities what union bears do but two it is a transparent attempt to silence that and as, as you both said it's only going to end badly i don't think it'll end badly in the sense of wider protests i don't think that's really something although i wish it was rangers fans have been good at it's going to end because the board are going to keep doing what they're doing, which is going to lead to worse results, which is going to lead to fewer trophies, which is going to lead to the inevitable happening across the city, which is going to lead to fewer fans paying, which is going to hit them and us and everybody else where it hurts the most. So criticism is good because it keeps organisations, businesses, relationships, collective endeavours honest and keeps them focused. And by silencing that, Rangers have signalled that they're quite content with the path that they're on, which is, in our view, we expressed many times, not a good one. And it's just another thing that this board have done that crosses a, yet another line for me and hopefully many fans with their treatment of the fans, their handling of club affairs and the whole fucking scenario. Get them out. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about that. Then you're doing that wee sigh again, like, oh, fuck, uh, he's just done a big rant. Nah, no, it's, it's actually a sigh of, I agree with you, man. You know, it's, it's going to, I actually disagree with you slightly that it's not going to get any, you know, worse in terms of protests. I actually think it is going I to. I think get, it might, yeah. Mate, I fucking I, fingers crossed. I'll be first, I'll be the first there. I'll bring the bed sheets. I, I can genuinely see it getting quite ugly um, if this isn't nipped in the bud. But the, the, the thing is, to nip it in the bud, there needs to be some sort of solution. I even don't know what that solution is. Because I'm not going to come out and go, right, we've sat Wilson. That, that's not going to harm. Um, Somewhere along the way, Chris, this, this board has forgot that we are not just fans, we're not just supporters, we're not just, <clears throat> we're customers. Mm. The customer is king in any business. They're see, not, the again, customer is king. I, I, again, I actually, I think, I actually think that is the problem. If if you know what I mean, I I think we're seen as customers rather than fans. And no, that's exactly my point there. That this, this to honestly, Chris, this to me proves that they are taking loyalty for granted. Yeah. Uh, and the loyalty is not to them. The loyalty no. is to the football club. Yeah. Not to them. No, I agree and with this that. is this is the problem that they have. They are sitting there. They are a self-indulgent, self-obsessed lot, and it's really clear. And I tend to agree with Dave. I, he's went a wee bit farther than I wanted. You know, I wanted to. I don't necessarily believe there is any a cab um, banner. I think they've just taken the half. Absolutely. Uh-huh. 
it's um, there'll be more to this. This isn't this isn't over, is what I'm basically saying, and that's not a declaration of war. Or anything. This is me telling what I think is going to happen, and I think there's going to be far more coming for us. Um, and it's going to paint Rangers as a club in a negative light, and it needs to be resolved one way or another. And how they do that, I do not know, as I said. Um, but you know, it's. It gives us content to talk about every week, doesn't it? So I suppose, <laughs> I suppose it's not all bad. Um, yeah, so we, we thought we thought that our Sunday evening was drawn to a close and then Namdi off the ball thought, fuck yes, man, I'm going to just fling another fucking grenade into his support. And he posted three pictures in his Instagram story. First picture was a picture of him in a hospital bed, kind of hooked up to sort of machines. It says two years, two operations, one hundred uh, hundreds of appointments. The next picture was uh, him lying on a bed, uh, hooked up to all this sort of kind of medical machines um and then the third picture was him sitting on a bed hooked up again to all these machines sitting with his bournemouth shorts on um and he had the caption silent on the situation so i look like the bad guy all the mistreatment of the last two years will come out and of course uh the social media investigative journalists and I class myself as one of them by the way noticed that Namdi Offerbor is no longer following Rangers, Rangers are no longer following Namdi Offerbor and the private um, Instagram page that only Rangers players follow um, Namdi Offerbor is no longer following that either um, I can confirm that Offerbor was following Rangers prior to this and Rangers were following them and Offerbor was following the the private Instagram page also. So we don't know what's happened in terms of the social media aspect, but a lot of people are, are speculating that if Offerbor blocks Rangers, he automatically unfollows Rangers, um, and Rangers automatically unfollow him, and vice versa. I don't think Rangers have blocked Offerbor. I think that would be very poor for a, a football team's social media to go that far against a former player, or, or a current player, sorry. Oh, I wish they would. I must, I must stress a current player, not a former player. Um, so, look, a lot of people are saying Rangers have fucked up here and this and that and it's mistreatment and we've, we've done away with it, like we've done bad by the boy and then you get a lot of, I had to laugh really, to be honest with you. Um, some comments that on Twitter from when I put the post up about off the board was, why is he saying he's a bad guy? He's a fucking wage thief. And you're just like, mate, mate, that's exactly... <laughs> yeah, that's his point. That's, yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Um, but let's kind of get the facts. Offerbot isn't the bad guy here. Um, he, look, to say that he's been a waste of money, is that's a ridiculous thing to say. I'm very, I have to say, I'm very glad we signed him because we probably saved his life. So that's the first thing I want to get out of the way. The second thing is, he, he specifically said the last two years is mistreatment. He's been at Rangers the last two years, so he's not referring to Bournemouth or Wickham. He's, he's specifically referring to Rangers. And then the third thing is, uh, he's he's unfollowed Rangers. Um, that that that's a fact. Now I know that's like a that's such a twenty twenty three problem to have, but you, you you can tell a lot from from that kind of thing. There's been a complete breakdown somewhere in the relationship between Offerbor and Rangers. And again, we have to look at the facts. Uh, by the way, the picture with the Bournemouth shots on, that's staged to fuck. He knew what he was doing with that. Um, so fair play there. That's like a wee kind of statement there. And that's the thing. It's so cryptic. Like everything we're going to talk about, guys, is what well, it's going to be pure speculation. There's, there's no facts to the matter yet. 
off a board did say that one day he will come out with his side of the story, if you will. So I do look forward to hearing that. But we're looking at Rangers. There is no there is no one at Rangers who is a heart specialist. So Rangers as a club, they haven't mistreated him. But what could have happened, again, I have to stress the word could because it's just complete speculation, is we could have referred him to the wrong people. And then it's just been a shit show from there. We just do not know. Um, it seems that we've fucked up somewhere along the line. I don't know how, I don't know why, and I don't know when. But it's so, so on you go, Dave. Rather, the way I look at it is he feels that we've fucked up. His opinion is that Rangers have let him down. Whether that's true or not, right, in and of itself is is one thing, right? But he clearly feels that some way, somewhere down the line, Rangers have let him down, and he has felt that his only recourse is to take that to social media. That's That, for me, is a fail for us as an organisation. Aye, because obviously, I, I, I remember Gio talking about off the ball um, in the last couple of weeks of his reign at Rangers, and it was sort of, kind of, I was a wee bit surprised with what Gio said. It was along the lines of, and by the way, I'm, I'm obviously, this is this is not kind of verbatim, I'm, I'm sort of uh, paraphrasing, that's the word. It was along the lines of, uh, he's a nice boy and he's always happy when he's running around the place and the boys like him, but I don't know when asked when he's going to return. So to me, that was a very distant relationship where Gio doesn't know much about him. He just seems to be this wee guy that comes into the training centre and, and I, the boys like him. And if that's the manager, if that's the manager's uh, sort of kind of opinion on him, th- th- there could feel, could feel, this club don't give a fuck about me. I'm, I'm, I'm flung out to the side. I'm literally just somebody that visits my mates at the training park. I, I can't kick a ball. I can't run about. I can't do this. I can't do that. Fans are coming up to me in the supermarkets and saying, when are you coming back? And I can't tell them anything because I don't know. Um, he, he's he's went for being a fit and healthy young man, um, playing football every week with Wickham. Get his absolute dream move to a massive club. And then his whole life's fell apart through no fault of his own but no fault of Rangers either because Rangers as I said we discovered the issue which would have let's make no mistake about it it would have killed him from what we believe um, he, it would have potentially have had fatal consequences so from that point of view as I said I'm glad that we did sign him because we probably have saved his life but two years now this has been going on um, and nothing no communication absolutely nothing and he feels aggrieved why he feels aggrieved, I don't know. Cryptic tweet, eh, sorry, cryptic post, we're reading between the lines. It could be mistreatment, it could be wrong diagnosis, it could be referred to the wrong people. Um, I just don't know. Um, it's just not a good look. And Kenny, I wouldn't be surprised um, over the next couple of weeks or even the next couple of months to hear that um, off the board has been paid off and is now no longer an employee at Rangers because I think that's the way this is going to go now because that's the way it looks. I think that's probably already happened, Chris. Um, look, I, I'm not one for certainly defending, you know, Rangers at that top level or at this, you know, a, a medical level. You, you know my feelings on this, right? But what I will say to you is... Um, he will be. He he would have been set up on a, basically a machine to find that there was a an irregularity uh, uh, with his heart. Okay, and at the end of the day, they would have sent him to a, a specialist. And Michael Beale was very quick to point out at the weekend there, just at the weekend, that you take him to one specialist, but you need more opinions. 
So they've ta- they have taken more than one opinion on it and then sent them to wherever, okay? Now, we have talked about Kamar Roof and we've talked about how he doesn't necessarily agree with uh, the Rangers medical staff and all the rest of it, so he'll go and get another opinion. Uh, and then if, it, if he doesn't agree with that one, he'll go and get another opinion again. Now, this is a boy's heart we're talking about, right? So I'm going to defend Rangers on this and say I, I actually can't really see much of what Rangers have, have done wrong. Um, they have sent him away because he has a heart condition. That's the simple fact of it. Um, regardless to the fact that, look, as you say, we don't know what's going on here. But what I will say from the outside looking in is Rangers will have had very, very little to do with what he's talking about, if you know what I mean. And if he was that upset about it at any point in the last two years, uh, he could have went and got other opinions himself. He's a well-paid boy, right? And I don't mean to sound callous on that or heartless, but that is true. He's a well-paid kid. And if he doesn't like what he's getting told, he's perfectly at will to go and... um, get it investigated further. He hasn't done that, perhaps. Now, the bottom line is that I, it just sounds to me as if he's been told very recently, and this is just me guessing, but he's been told very recently that he's not going to play again, and he's finding that hard to deal with. Uh, that might be wrong. As I say, it's just a guess. But I, I, I honestly, from the outside looking in at it, I can't really see where uh, Rangers could be culpable for him having a heart condition and Rangers finding it. And even as I say, even if you're getting sent back to specialists by the football club, if you don't like what they're telling you, you you do have the ability to go and, you know, deal with it yourself. Um, apart from that, as I say, we're all just guessing. Kenny, we don't, yeah. could, could that not be the problem, though, that he has had to deal with a lot of this by himself without... And I, I'm not saying this as a case. I'm just trying to kind of play devil's advocate here. But could that be that he just feels that the duty of care from Rangers' side is maybe falling a little short to his expectation because he's he has a lot of this himself. But we don't know. That's the thing. We're having to guess. It's it's. I agree yes, entirely. Yes, the boys never pl- kicked a ball for us, right? He turned up. He's passed a medical, strangely, uh, but the heart might not. The heart might not be in your medical. I don't know, but. Somewhere along the way, very, very, very early after he's passed that medical, they've found a heart condition that the cat, the kid has. Now, from there on in, Rangers have got to send him out with the football club. Do yeah. you know? Do you understand that? That he's yeah. not, he's not there. He's not at Rangers. Now he's he's part. He's Rangers, and the the you know he's at Rangers are his employees, so he's in and out of the place and all the rest of it. But in terms of actually being part of the football club, but he has virtually not been, and that's where I, I, I as a, you, and you do know this. I'm not one for defending, you know, our decision making. You know, a lot here, but I can't really see what we've done wrong, to be honest. Unless we we get more information on it, and then you can judge it a little bit better. But on the information that we have, uh, it seemed a little bit of, um, and I don't want to be derogatory on this. But I noticed the, the Bournemouth shorts and all the rest of it, and I thought, you know, you're having a proper pop. Um, just go out and say what you want to say, or can he not say that because he's contracted to the football club and he's just upset about something? He's a young boy. Let's wait and see what happens. But I'm not 
going to sit here and have a go at Rangers for this at the minute at all, to be honest with you, Chris, no. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a very, I'd like to call it a bizarre one because it came out of nowhere, but I suppose this has been simmering um, in all football's mind anyway. So, I, I, same with the Union Bears and the board, there's, there's plenty more to come for us. And I agree with you, Kenny, possibly he's already been paid off and this is what's kind of the, 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 the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. And I wouldn't be surprised to see in the next couple of weeks we get a tweet for Rangers saying that off the ball's off. And, um, it's, it's we Dave, won't even need to pay him off, Chris. If he's been told he can't play again, then the, the contract will be terminated. We won't have to pay him a penny. Dave? So, see, that's that's kind of where I come in, right? So, I, I differ slightly, Kenny, in that I'm, I'm looking at it from <clears throat> could Rangers have hand, handled this better? What could have been done to stop a disgruntled employee taking to social media and throwing a cat among the pigeons? So, I, I look at it and go, right, what, how could you have handled it better? My speculation when I first read it was that he maybe has had second opinions and he's been told he's fit to play. But Rangers have maybe said, no, we're going with our specialist or the first specialist in order possibly to claim insurance on his wages going on the basis. You're not going to be in the team, Namdi, you're not fit. We'll just sit you at the end of the season. Your wages are getting paid on our behalf or saving money. We're going to ignore your specialist. We don't know that, right? We don't know what's went on. That's a sort of semi-plausible construction of events. But for me, the fact that he's felt compelled to do that and he's talking about mismanagement, or what was it, mistreatment? That's his personal. It's two years. This board done the great in any respect, and it just makes me think, this is just another way we've let him down. You say he's not been about the club. Possibly that's that's been part of it. Whatever he feels as if he's been let down by Rangers as an organisation, and for me, touched on Alfredo, although it's not really the same thing, I'm not particularly proud of the fact that he's had to do that. I want Rangers to treat all employees well and not have them doing this so I'm not taking his side in it, it it's probably as you alluded to a purely emotional reaction for a young guy who been away from home for two years part of that was during lockdown his friends have left the club he was probably with Mr Kamara still there but Bassi and Aribo and him cut about together yeah clearly it's a difficult time for a for a young man being away from home for the first time or so far away there's a lot of emotion and a lot going on and with all that in mind, could Rangers have just maybe put their arms around them a wee bit more? I don't know, but certainly that's how I would... If I was in Rangers' shoes, I'd be looking to see what we could learn from it. And going, could we have handled this guy better? And I suspect the conclusion will be, uh, we actually could have had Namde doing a wee bit more, or we could have had a wee bit more careful handling of that. And again, maybe it's just me where I'm at with this board, but I look at it and just go, oh, fuck's sake, they've done something else stupid. And I... Uh, I agree. Sorry, Chris. I agree with you, Dave. If that is the scenario, then it's appalling, and they deserve all the the criticism they get. Just at this minute in time, we don't know, and I'm not going to, um, you oh, know, just hit, throw the board under the bus, Kenny. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Just simply on the basis that uh, we don't know the facts, Dave. We just don't. We don't know what's going on there, and until we find out a little bit more. Um, well, they're bastards anyway, so you know we know that anyway. But I know. I'm not going to. I'm not going to throw them under the bus with this. Not yet. The thing is, I, I don't think we'll ever know because if he does get paid off, it will be non-disclosure to all angles because of the post. But it would be anyway. But because yeah. of the post, we'll never know what's happened here. Yeah, it's. I. It's one of those. I just. It sounds dead trite, and I, I hate this type of stuff, the kind of cheesiness, but you wish the boy well, and he, as much as his physical health, that maybe in his mental health as well, if that's where he's at. The thing is, mm-hmm. 
I'm sort of kind of like, I don't trust the board, so my immediate reaction was they've done something. However, that's not my opinion. My opinion is I'd rather wait until if more facts are going to come out about it, then I'll obviously form my opinion more rounded. But um, I've, I'm not picking either side. I feel sorry for the boy. I really, really do. I also see, when I'm thinking rationally, what more could Rangers have done. But in the back of my mind, because I know the mistakes that have been made over the last 18, 24 months, I'm thinking we better have more fucked up here because this is not going to be a good look. But um, look, I actually hope we do find out more. But as Dave's point, we probably won't unless Namdi really does go rogue and comes on to the Saturday Free podcast. And <laughs> you're welcome, Namdi. Uh, anything, mate. but we never found out the Joey Barton story. We never found out the Murray story. These things, yeah, have yeah, about the edges. You yeah. will never know. No, no, no. Um, yeah, so last night, Falkirk beat Ayr, um, and then after that, there was a Scottish Cup semi-final draw, and the Rangers have drawn Celtic in the semi-final, and Falkirk have drawn Inverness Cali um, in the other semi-final. So the Rangers and Celtic game will be played on the 29th or the 30th of April, um, probably the 30th on the Sunday. In many ways, no, well, I'm being disrespectful, um, but in many ways, this is the final. Uh, so you'd imagine whoever wins the game between us and them will go on to lift the trophy. And obviously, the the the, the horrible thought of Celtic beating us pretty much seals an, another treble for them, which we obviously want to prevent. Um, look, guys, I'm not asking for a big in-depth answer here. Uh, we will discuss this game prior to it, obviously, um, taking place. Um, we've got a full month uh, and a bit of build-up for this, so there's no point even starting here. Just initial reactions, would you rather play them in the semi or play them in the final? Um, for me, I'm just at the stage, fucking bring them on, because we need to play them at some point anyway. So I'm not scared of them. I'm, 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 I'm scared of us, if that makes sense. I'm scared of what we're going to do because, as we've seen in the cup final, it was all not not saying that Celtic didn't deserve it on the day, but Celtic didn't really need to play well because Rangers fucked it, or, or more specifically, Bill fucked it. Um, that's what I'm fearing. Um, that that that's my only fear. Uh, as I say, my my initial reaction is bring them on. If it's the semi or the final, I don't care. We have to play them at some point to win honours in Scotland these days. So, Kenny, what's, what's your initial reaction? Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Um, didn't surprise me we got them in the semi. I can expect it oddly. Um, but to be honest, um, it's lovely beating them in a the final. But it, for me, weirdly, it's always a wee bit nicer beating them in the semi. It's, it hurts more when you get beaten in the semi, doesn't it? So, yeah. Dave? Well, play this way. If we do get beat by them, at least it means only one trip to Hamden. So that's a kind of fucking very, very, <laughs> very, very thin silver lining on that particular fucking storm cloud. So, eh. Uh, Strange enough, I think the semi sort of suits Rangers a bit better. I know that's maybe not what we want to hear, but I just think that game suits us better. Don't I get any further than that, but you know I'm getting it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's it. So an action-packed episode this week. Obviously, a lot to discuss. Um, hopefully, there's not as much to discuss um, on the next podcast, which we'll be dropping uh, later on this week, discussing Rangers' trip to Fur Park, where we'll be playing Motherwell. Uh, Saturday one o'clock and it's live in Sky. Um, yeah, finally. So that's our next game. So that will be the next podcast after this. Obviously previewing that game and then a the podcast reviewing that game um, will drop early next week 
as well. So all that's really left me to do before I thank my, my guests is obviously ask you guys to follow, like or subscribe to any of social media platforms. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We're also on Amazon Music. We're on Spotify, Twitter. Um, on the lot, if you see us there, um, drop us a like subscribe or a follow it's very much appreciated um so thanks very much dave cheers mate enjoyed it as ever and uh, to yourself kenny thanks very much uh cheers chris enjoyed that pal thank you thank you and uh, thank you to you the listener uh, as always and as i say join us later on this week where i believe it'll be andrew who'll be previewing the the Mullerwell game um and hopefully that would be another three points in the board chris so thanks very much